And they even do a song about dying, going on a mission and dying. That kind of slaps. Not even going to lie to you. Well, that's I, because I it's the same theme song as Teen Titans Go. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Champs. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. This season, we're getting whelmed for DC's greatest sidekicks and covering every episode of Young Justice on... Yeah, another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year the Journey to the West TV show came out. And if you're not familiar, Journey to the West stars a supernatural monkey who's forced to go on this journey with various people of different powers and abilities across the country and work together. And he can even transform into multiple forms. So basically Beast Boy. Yeah, he's Beast Boy. Show. Got it, got it. <laughs> I also don't know what it is, but I feel like we have gotten a surge recently about like, basically almost like Monkey King storytelling <laughs> across movies and animation for like, at least like 20 years, but it's also so random at times, too. I blame Dragon Ball Super because Goku uh, is based off of Sun Wukong. So not so not GT. No, not GT. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, no. <laughs> well, I'll well let's just leave GT in the in the background of our rearview mirrors because we're driving along to Young Justice, which has better coverage of monkeys, even though Superboy probably might disagree with us. Um, as we were talking about Young Justice Outsiders, episodes 12 through 13, as we're covering Nightmare Monkey and True Heroes. Oh, gosh, there's already monkeys in the title. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're they're starting. They're descending. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the timing of these episodes take place between October 15th to November 1st. So you know what that means. We have our official studio approved Summerween episode here today. <laughs> <laughs> Back again. Yes. We left y'all. We had y'all with uh, Justice League Dark. I think we did the uh, the Constantine one. Was that actually during Halloween? Or was that during the summer still? That that one was so messed up. I don't even know what day it was. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, we're going to we'll find that out later. But more importantly, we are going to be talking about Nightmare Monkey and True Heroes. And because of the many, many things that happen in this episode that come to light, but more importantly, Beast Boy's transformations and us being shocked at all of them, uh, felt like it was appropriate to call this one the new reveal. Mm. Mm. There are quite a few, quite a few. Yes, including this cast list, as we have starting out Queen Perdita. I think she's a queen at this point. Right. Yeah. Because. Yeah. Well, well, no, they say princess, I think, one time. And that's why I got confused because I was like, we took out Vertigo in season one. So she should be queen. Uh, We'll check. We'll do a fact check. Yeah. Perdita. (laughs) Perdita. She is voiced by this revealing voice here on Hinden Walsh. 
Um, so we are going to have so much fun with this cast list. Um, next up, we got Holocaust. Uh, I'm sorry to say, yes, that is actually the name of the character. <laughs> I know. I, I laugh every time I hear it. <laughs> um, fun fact, Holocaust is actually the main villain of Static back in his original comic run. I wonder why they changed that. <laughs> I don't know. We're not going to get into that because that's a whole other can of worms that we might get canceled for. <laughs> um, but today, Holocaust is voiced by Zeno Robinson, who is also the voice of uh, Cyborg and a couple of other uh, black characters that might pop up in our series. Uh, we also got Tara Markov, a.k.a. Tara, um, who is voiced by Tara Strong. <laughs> Fitting. <laughs> yeah. Fitting. Uh this guy or this character, I have no idea who they are really, but Mr. Bliss, um, the announcer in one of our episodes today featuring a very creepy group of flying, fly, like flying animal themed society members. Mr. Bliss is voiced by Troy Baker, who is also our voice of um, uh, what's his name now? Heat Dude, uh, Hot Flash, Hot Lava. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we're talking about Geoforce. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, wrapping this all up, um, I did want to give a special shout out to this cast because we do have the entire cast of Doom Patrol with a little bit of alterations, um, but they are not the ones that we know and love from the Doom Patrol live action series. Instead, we have all of them being voiced by actors from Teen Titans Go!, including Scott Menville, who is who is Mento and Niles, the Chief Calder, who we know famously as the voice of Robin. Uh, Hinden Walsh voices another character here as she is Elastigirl, a.k.a. Rita Farr. Tara Strong is Negative Woman this time around. And Carrie Payton is the voice of Robot Man. This is, uh, well, we'll get into it, but incredibly fun that they pulled this off. Yeah. All right, so now that the cast list is all set, uh, let's say the tube over to the beginning of Nightmare Monkey. So we cut back to Beast Boy on his Star Trek-like show. We've seen this in the background a few times before, and it's really at the forefront here in such a really creative way. So he's shooting a standard scene where one of his crewmates has to die and is doing a death scene. And in the middle of this death scene, you see some a little bit of real emotion on his face because of all that he's been through. And the scene goes on. He has to fight a couple of goons. Meanwhile, I have to wonder, because he transforms into animals during the scene and fights the goons. Are right. the goons OK? Those are actors. <laughs> OK, those are paid actors. Are they OK? No. <laughs> Even if one of them, they all are dressed up as clams, which is the scary thing, too. And I don't think they're OK, because like you said, they are paid actors. They are real. I do question, though, how are they able to actually move their mouths in clam like form? I think maybe it's the puppets they use for those the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles back in the day. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that could be it. Um. But yeah, while we figure out whether or not these actors are okay, uh, we do get introduced to some stuff happening behind the scenes. As Garfield, he is the star of the show, so he gets a chance to meet some of the producers alongside with us. We find out that the person who is playing the Kirk-like character in our Space Trek 3016 show is actually Connor 
from the Hello Megan TV series. And this was all done thanks to Gretchen Good, who is put together this idea that she really enjoyed Hello Megan, who she felt who, a show which she felt was ahead of his time, even though Beast Boy points out that it only lasted one season. <laughs> Uh, but we do see that she is the mastermind putting behind this whole entire series. She's asking for Beast Boy to call her Gretchen rather than Miss Good. And we also get a chance to see a little bit of what's happening to Beast Boy as we learn that one of the producers on the show is Steve Dayton, who is actually Beast Boy's stepfather and the former superhero part of the Doom Patrol, Mento. Believe me, we will learn a little bit more about him later. But I, I do like this interaction, very quick interaction where uh, Beast Boy walks by one of the extras, Harvey, that yeah. got beaten up by him. And he's like, yeah, good job. He's, Harvey's like, really, Beast Boy? Uh, thank you. I hope he's OK. I really hope his internal organs are there. Um, outside of the studio, we get to follow up from last time's episode where Victor Stone left school with Halo. And now he's meeting everybody. And you can instantly see Nightwing is stressed because he's like, this can't be another one. I can't have to deal with another one of these people. And Victor is, you know, still grappling with his transformation. He sees himself as a freak. Forger in a funny scene is like, do you think I'm a freak? And reveals his real um, self, which freaks Vic out. Black Lightning steps in and goes, I get it, man. I, I know I, I'm from the hood. You were you weren't <laughs> supposed to see like no talking bugs walking around. I get you, bro. And in the middle of all of this, the thing that really they're okay with Victor being part robot. They're okay with all of that. But the thing they're not okay with is when they hear that Halo is part mother box. Yes, this gets fully revealed when um as we mentioned in our previous episode. Halo does somehow purges or cleanses Victor a little bit of his father box programming that was causing him to go all Terminator on everybody. So when they start putting two and two together, it does give us a quick exposition flashback throughout the entire series in which many people are realizing, first starting with um, Artemis, sharing that Doctor's Fate meeting with Halo makes sense now because he said that he sensed an old soul in a young body. So everyone starts putting two, two together where Jefferson and Superboy realize that the destroyed mother box or that um, they saw in Simon X's lab was actually murdered. And the burst of energy that came out of it probably went into the then deceased body of Gabrielle Du when she was murdered during the invasion and the killings of the uh, king and queen of Markovia. Now that they have this understanding, they realize how connected Halo and Victor might actually be, which causes already some tension with, I keep wanting to say hot lava, but I know this <laughs> with, with Brion, who is quite upset that somebody who seems to be someone he is falling for has a deeper connection with somebody else. As this is happening, we hop back over to Beverly Hills, where Garfield is getting ready to go out on a hot date with Perdita. He has on his sleeveless Batman tee. They're going to get into some kind of club. And as she, he's waiting for her to get ready, they're joking around, they're flirting. He sees that she has a pair of the good goggles on her desk. And he mentions that he's been wanting to try them out. 
he so she offers him to just grab him. She's gonna take him. To, it's gonna take her some time to finish out everything she needs to do, which is just enough time for Garfield to not go on YouTube, not go on to any other place where he could do virtual reality things like probably be Tony Stark or a Jedi. No, he decides to go back on his show to play <laughs> Lieutenant Torque, a character he already plays on the show. That's narcissistic beast boy. Look, man, you gotta <laughs> you gotta play some Halo or something, man. Like <laughs> But while he is enjoying this, we see that he's poked by a spike within the goggles. And it's so tiny that he just thinks it's a scratch. But we have a feeling something is going on here. Back at the Happy Harbor house for anyone who feels like coming by, the <laughs> Superboy's sphere suddenly attacks Vic, and that's because Vic is a father box. Sphere doesn't like that. So the Sphere attacks Vic. Superboy loses his shirt trying to keep Victor safe. And a really good animation here for a second when he's getting hit by the lasers. Oh, yeah. Um, really de- defined. And they're able to sort things out by, again, Violet steps in, is able to uh, purify Cyborg. So they accept that they probably should stay together in case something like this happens again. As they accept another stray to their pack, Beast Boy is using the glasses. And at first, he sees a map telling him to go to a specific place. But then the glasses really malfunction. And he ends up on the set of his show again. But this time, he sees dead heroes like Jason Todd, who can fully establish is dead in this series. Oh, yeah. But also Kid Flash. Tula. Ted Cord as well, right? Ted Cord, yes. That I was going to say somebody else, but it is Blue Beetle Ted Cord. <laughs> so now things are about to get a little bit darker for Beast Boy. <laughs> but before that does happen, we do have to hop back over to Happy Harbor really quickly because, of course, McGann and Connor are a bit upset about um, once again, having to bring another person into their fold, into their home. So they're having this telepathic conversation of how it's been so long and they haven't really spent any time together since they've been engaged. Um, for people of a younger age, this just really means that they've never actually gotten a chance to just talk and play Uno. For older crowds, they haven't gotten a chance to play Uno. <laughs> <laughs> um so they decide that the best thing they can do is probably try to see if they can find one of two options, either a secret base or organized date night. And honestly, I'm game for both of those. <laughs> Por que no los dos? <laughs> but as they try to figure that out, unfortunately, it does seem that they do get the call um, because we hop back over to Garfield, who is going through a lot. He is now in charge of the Space Trek 3016 ship that is there the i'm assuming it's called like the uss not enterprise um so as he's there kid flash is actually talking with him and telling him that hey the clambulons the uh villains from earlier or the paid actors from earlier rather they are now trying to take out every single member of the team as they see through some laser blasts that every single time that Beast Boy fails to make a move, one of these heroes die. First starting with Tag Cord, 
then Tula gets hit, and then Jason Todd. Each time that one of them dies, Kid Flash says, hey, Beast Boy, what are you going to do? They're dead, Torque. They're dead, Torque. They're dead, Torque. And that sound gets beat into Beast Boy, where the only thing that he can do is try to find a way to escape, as we also see, once again, Kid Flash gets hit and killed. Yeah, so we can obviously see he's going through some a lot of trauma, and it's not over yet, because his trauma and my trauma is beginning, because now we go into the Teen Titans Go portion of the episode. <laughs> but this time, it's called, the show is renamed Doom Patrol Go, and this is, I have to give my hats all the way off for this, because not only do they use the art, art style from Teen Titans Go for this, not only do they take the members of the Doom Patrol and have them voiced by the members of Teen Titans Go? But it all works somehow mm. as a dramatic scene because he looks at these Doom Patrol members. Predictably, uh, <laughs> Gary Payton played Cyborg. He's playing Robot Man here, et cetera, and so forth. And they're all just talking about we have to go on a mission and die. And again, Beast Boy is trying to process all this death that has been around him his whole life, but they don't stop. And they even do a song about dying, going on a mission and dying that kind of slaps. Not even going to lie to you. Well, that's I, because I it's the same theme song as Teen Titans Go. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> uh, but we also get a another really big piece of information here. When Miss Martian shows up, a fictionalized version of Miss Martian, we found out that Mento, his godfather, did not have good intentions for Beast Boy when he adopted him. So unfortunately, Mento uh, was a part of the Doom Patrol and it does get stated really quickly that it does seem that Mento dipped out on the mission where the rest of the Doom Patrol died. So... With that in mind, Mento was also with Rita, um, either married or, yes, Rita, she, he was Rita's husband. Um, so he's the one that kind of pushed Beast Boy to get into acting. Uh, part of it was under the false pretense of that we had his, he had his mother, who was an actress on Hello, Megan. Rita Farr, his wife, was a supporting character on that show as well so he figured that along with beast boy's powers he could probably find a way to get some money out of it at least that's what's being said from this mindscape that beast boy is in it's already in here that uh mento is painted as a very unsure about what kind of person he is but from beast through beast boy's eyes he's definitely a character he does not like so as they're talking through this, he realizes that he just wants to get away because not only is he sad that the Doom Patrol, his family, his second family here, have passed, he also realizes that he really doesn't have anyone. He truly is all alone. The people that he thought he could trust, like Mento, aren't on his side. And even like with his sister, he does mention that like he does feel like she has gone her own separate way because he mainly wanted to live with her, but Mento, being the fact that he was a bit older, used the court to his advantage. Again, this is all being explained in Beast Boy's mind. Um, he believes that Mento used the court to his advantage because he was older and that he wished that McGann would have actually fought to have Beast Boy taken in with her. 
And because he states that everyone leaves me behind, McGann, or this version of her, decides to show him the one time that someone did leave him behind and truly because and that leads us to the scene where we see hello megan the show has returned but more importantly so have the cast members of megan rita far and also paul or connor on the show Mm -hmm. we briefly do see also back on the surface that beast boy is now basically catatonic he is really about on the edge of death here I do like this quick exchange because the EMT is EMTs are there and McGann and Superboy show up and the EMT is like, yo, this green kid needs a hospital. And they're like, no, nah, no, nah, don't worry about that. We we're not paying that health insurance. No, no. healthcare is too expensive here. So Superboy takes the doctors out so McGann can get to work and go inside Beast Boy's mind to retrieve him. And now we cut back into this into this Hello Megan scene where cruelly Hello Megan as a gag has a jar of honey mm. um, and that and the bees come in, which sparks Queen Bee to come in and say, yeah, where's my honey? And as a nod to how Queen Bee had Beast Boy's mother killed. So Beast Boy relives the crash that killed his mother once again, and his heart actually stops. But right before he can die, we get an out of nowhere left field (laughs) scene where Beast Boy is confronted with the monkey that's been following him that just says, by the way, I'm like a monkey god. Yes, um, he is the mystical monkey god. And he explains to Beast Boy that the goggles were used to kind of test to see who has the metagene. And then the things that he saw, that map that he saw, was going to direct them to one of the metahuman trafficking points. Fortunately for Beast Boy, because he has been empowered by this monkey god, the monkey god was able to intervene because he refused to let his Beast Boy get taken in such a manner. And... Beast Boy's confused. He's like, I don't understand how I have monkey god powers because I got my powers from the blood transfusion from McGann. And this is where we get the explanation that because the monkey god intervened, this is why Beast Boy can only turn into animals. He cannot transform into anything else like another Martian. Confusing? Yes. How the Mm -hmm. heck he got in there, I don't know. But (laughs) we're just going to move along because clearly the monkey guy got it handled. I mean, look, it makes more sense than the red on Titans, but uh, not not much, I have to say. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, But yeah, you know, I'm not. Yeah, you're right. Still, still better. Um, because at least you're we're in the realms of like we don't do multi-dimensional or multiverse travel with this guy. <laughs> um, so as Garfield is realizing how powerful he truly is because of the fact that the monkey god gave him the power to become the hero that he is, and asked he asks if things can change. And in that moment, when Garfield looks out in the distance, he thinks he sees his mother. Was actually, as he quotes, my beautiful sister McGann, which is a wonderful moment because we see McGann come through as her white Martian self, this uh the version of her that she's adopted, where she's um uh bald, more so leading the team. 
Uh, I just thought that was a very beautiful moment because I think for the past like two seasons, we've always kind of like seen McGann with her like green skin, long hair. And that was always seen as like, this was the version of her that was like loved by like Wally, loved by Connor. But then mm -hmm. as you hear Connor say things like, I've always known you are a white Martian. It's good to see that more recently she's decided to adopt how she truly looks and feels like she's actually becoming more and in, in, uh, connected with herself and like the people who are close to her are also seeing that. Yeah, it's it's a really beautiful full circle, especially since all you know all that time we spent she spent hiding her identity and right. the thing the measures and lengths she went to keep it a secret. It's really nice to see her out here and embracing it. And as Beast Boy finally wakes up, he he has this like really poignant moment where he's like i don't know if my tv career was a distraction from my real life it was an actual dream i had i'm not sure anymore and i need to figure that out but one thing he does figure out pretty quickly is that good and gretchen good is not for the people there's something going on with her and we need to fix it and as he has this revelation he leans in to kiss perdita superboy is like ah Closest we're going to get kisses McGann and elsewhere. Halo kisses Rion to end on a nice note before we meet our true heroes. So, yes, we open up to Halloween. It is now time for us to see what ghouls and and ghosts are out and about. Um, we already had aliens. I'm assuming that ghosts are going to be next, which I guess we already met some with secret and, and harm. Sorry to bring that up again on the Halloween thing. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, they're here. They're right behind me, aren't they? <laughs> uh, so we see that Brion, Violet, and Fred Bug and um, Victor are planning to attend the Halloween dance at the high school. Uh, obviously, though, Victor does not want to go. It's been a couple of weeks since his transformation. As everybody's getting ready to hop into the bio RV, uh, Dick Grayson comes through. He arrives with Artemis and Connor, and they reveal that they have a solid lead about where Tara Markov is. Dick shares that, like, based off of everything they've been able to pick up, they have an idea that there is a 15-year-old girl somewhere that has been using her Earth powers. So they do believe that she is in, is it Vialia? she's somewhere yeah she's she's somewhere and we have an idea so brion he uses his powers to burn off all the makeup that he put onto his face i would be very upset for the person who had to sit down and contour that for like five <laughs> hours so. as they decide to go on the mission of course though because victor is still experiencing his moments of um, father box murder syndrome. They decide that it's best to pop probably just have Violet stay behind um, with Helga Jace so that they can just make sure that he doesn't go too crazy as everybody boards the bio ship and head on over. Yeah. And I do love this little moment where Brianna wants to turn to Halo and give her a nice, like, if I don't come back and Robin's like, no, no, we don't got time for that. Let's yeah. go, let's go, let's go. <laughs> uh, come on. Um, and, you know, yeah, Halo, obviously she has to stay behind with Vic. So they part ways. And I do love this little, this little science details. I do love when they use the bio ship, they take it to the atmosphere and use it to fly faster around Earth. Mm, yes. Like, I love that. Like, come on. That's amazing. Science. <laughs> yeah. 
so we get to, we get a little explanation about how they figured this out. And this I loved because they pulled together so many episodes previously that we had seen events that we had seen mm-hmm. and understand. Take mm-hmm. notes, triptych. And <laughs> where specific <they>, galore. Damn <laughs> it, triptych. I'll never forget. <laughs> but they basically explain they put two and two together that the goggles were being used to test for the metagene. And those who had the metagene were pretty much hypnotized into going and giving themselves up at a certain facility that was near them. On top of that, they remember that one businessman was assassinated with a rock. And he happened to be working on the good goggles. So they put two and two together that Tara was tested for the gene with the goggles, was brainwashed and put in there. And they have a sighting of where she might be. So it's it's great to see it all coming together. And also a real, little real life thing they throw in there is that when Barbara was looking at online for any evidence, she found a clothing website that a hat was actually code for human trafficking, which is something that really does unfortunately happen in real life, how that's how how it's used and how it's hidden. So they really the writers really did their research to make this a fantastical plots as real life as possible. And luckily right now they're going to finally free Tara from her imprisonment, but Halo is not doing as well as they are. Yes. We see that Halo is very concerned about Brion's safety. In fact, she just can't seem to calm down at all. So Helga tries um, to calm her down. She explains in a little bit now, giving a little backstory on Helga. She explains that she had a daughter herself. She doesn't share what happened to her. She just shares that she was taken from her. But something that helped her daughter calm down when she was feeling very flustered due to, especially because um, at this point, Helga is explaining that maybe a lot of these emotions are connected to her being a teenager. But um, she does offer to brush her hair because she says that uh, it helped her daughter to calm down. At this moment, we do see in a very a scene that I've been liking a lot because it does show a little bit of what um, connects with Halo a lot, with Violet a lot, is the fact that she still wears her hijab. She wears this hijab, and in the room with them is Victor. He's not paying attention. He's not looking in their direction. But Violet is still afraid to take off the hijab because it's some somewhere inside of her she does feel she does know that it's wrong to do that in front of victor victor leaves the room because he understands what's going on and he just goes to the kitchen to grab himself a glass of water to then head somewhere else at that moment that's when violet takes off her job and that's when helga starts brushing her hair and i gotta say i love this scene so much because it does show like i said the fact that the respect that the hijab is given in this moment it's, it's a, such a learning moment for a lot of people to understand that, like, there are different customs out there that you just have to respect. You're not a part of that culture, not a part of that religion, but you should just know in the end of the day that if this is uncomfortable for this person to act in a way in front of you, give them the space to be themselves. Don't try to force your ideals and try to stay in places that are going to make other people uncomfortable. Um, and that's why I really appreciated that 
this season especially, they've been truly dedicated to making sure that Violet's hijab isn't just like a random piece of attire for her or even just part of her costume. It's a part of who she is. Yeah, that's extremely, extremely well said. Yeah, it just to to fully commit to this and not for it to be a, you know, a throwaway aspect of her character. It's not just a design thing. It's really integrated into who she is was a really great choice. Elsewhere, we cut back to the the team is out and inspecting the place where they suspect Tara is, and they see not some a few unwelcome sights. Uh, so they do see, first of all, some kind of fight club, but also we have a metahuman gang there full of a lot of familiar characters, including Simon. And although Brion wants to go right away, Nightwing has a presence of mind to say, look, if we go there with strong emotions, we're going to get spotted from miles away. So let's do this smart. We have to stay whelmed to get under the radar. So I so I love this uh, thinking ahead, especially since they don't have McGann with them at this time. So they have no there's no one on the team currently that can defend against Simon if he starts going off. So as they prepare for a subtle plan, we cut back to Happy Harbor where Vic has the father box activated inside of him because he's heard Halo's powers are on the fritz. He decides to take advantage and attack Halo right now. And without powers, she's pretty much helpless and has to run from him. And now as that's going on, we cut back to... Wait, did I mix this episode up with Squid Game? Or is everyone wearing masks and betting on people? Oh, yes, because we got the full-on appearance of the Court of Owls here. Um, The OG secret society where... They are again are betting on these fights. I do love the Squid Game reference right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But yes, they are betting on these um these metahuman kid fights. As and in this moment, we do see that Holocaust does get into a fight with Terra, which we see. Um, I keep wanting to say Hot Lava today for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> that's his name. That's his. Uh, that's his street name. <laughs> Uh, we do see that Brion does get a little upset because he realizes now this is the closest, like legit, the actual closest that he's been to finding and seeing his sister in years. And that rage starts to bring up. And we do see that what Nightwing said is accurate because Simon has sensed it. He's looking around to see if anybody suspicious is around. Fortunately for them, Black Lightning sends a little spark through the metal guardrail that is through the system which is enough to zap Simon and shut him down. Um, this, however, does lead to devastation, now leading the team of our here of our villains here, as she sends out um, Icicle Jr., Mammoth, and Shimmer to check around the area because they do. She does believe that they've been infiltrated, as she cares for her loved Simon here. I'm still mad that these two found love. <laughs> Hey, look, there's a peg for every hole, as they say, and <laughs> Simon's the hole, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but in any case, back at Happy Harbor, we see Vic is attacking. This legitimately turns into a horror film because mm-hmm. he 
He, of course, attacks and stops at the door and it gets really quiet. You don't know where he is. And he is really about to kill Halo. But fortunately, she realizes that the emotions that have temporarily weakened her can also be her strength. So she's able to turn her emotions into power and this time completely cleanses Vic of his father block's influence, thus freeing him from control. And speaking of fleeing from control, back at the auction, they're able to bid on Terra and leave without a sound, without alerting any sensors, not setting anything up. They free Terra from mind control and they have Brian and Terra in the bio ship. And as they get ready, Brian's like, yo, we're done. We got my sister. And they're like, no, no, no. There's so many kids back there that we have to help. We're not leaving until we do. So the majority of the team, with the exception of Forger, who stays there to lay down ship cover, Brion and Terra stay on the ship. The rest of them go back in, and we're in for quite the battle because right away we got to settle some beef between Junior and Superboy. Oh, yes. And this is because Junior knows that Superboy is here. This is mainly because when a person starts picking up a motorcycle and starts using it, like a bat against certain people. You, you kind of know a Superboy. <laughs> so he states, your mask can't hide you. I know it's you. I got some beef because you stole my girl. And this is where Superboy's like, hold on. First off, it wasn't your girl. We were kind of already together. Also, it's been a few years. Um, We've done so much work since then. You were in love with ter- uh, the other one, the Terror Twins. You weren't in love with McGann. Secondly, you can't speak about that about my now fiance. And in this moment, this is why I love animated shows that have great character development and dynamics. Icicle Jr. continues to fight Superboy, but is so thrilled for him that he states, Yo, bro, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. I'm so happy for you two. To be honest, I've always been pushing for you two to get together. <laughs> and today, and y'all finally did it. You finally made me happy. And I was just like, Icicle Jr. might be the best one, might be the best villain ever created right now, just for taking that moment to give his brother praise. Yeah, I, I do love this, this interaction with Jr. But uh, elsewhere, we get to a few more serious fights where the Terra Twins have been bulking up. They've been juicing because they are ready to take mm-hmm. down everybody. And it takes the combined efforts of pretty much everyone working just to keep them at bay. Uh, Jeff is even starting to cut loose a little bit with his lightning. And things start getting really bleak because even though Artemis and Nightwing are good, they're not in their environment. They're not prepared for this fight. It's all strong people, and they have no aces in their hole. Superboy is too busy. So eventually, Geoforce and Terra decide they can't stand by and let this happen. They enter the fray and are able to block the exit with some lava bending. And again, Black Lightning trying to get those good lines when he can on the way out of the building. The final foe that's left goes... Bro, I can take anything you throw at me. And Jeff just goes, you have no idea what a relief that is. And unleashes the full power of Black Lightning. 400 years of Black Lightning on his enemy. <laughs> and takes her down. 
This had as much power behind <laughs> it as the Montgomery brawl. <laughs> <laughs> that was his chair. <laughs> so in such a wonderful scene to show that Jefferson is getting back to his full abilities. Um, we also do see a very fun scene. It's very, it's very quick, but I do want to give this a quick shout out because it'll be two references back to back here where uh, Superboy in his battle uses the Bioship to pull off the West Maneuver, which is basically, um, you know, when we were kids, I don't think we ever done this, but we've seen it, where it's like you have someone on all fours behind uh, somebody else and then you push them and then they fall over. Basically, the Bioship does that too with one of these Super Jack characters. <laughs> and I love the fact that it was connected to Wally West because that was his move. So I just wanted to give that quick shout out. Um, so now that everybody has been taken down, uh, we head on back. We're flying back to Happy Harbor, where all the rescue teams are just thanking the heroes because, again, they do have everybody. Every kid was saved. Um, also, they've all been relieved of their mind control, which is also another great thing. So as the heroes return to McGann and Connor's house, of course... Connor is going to be is quite upset <laughs> given the fact that his house has been ruined, but he's more upset over the fact that McGann hasn't seen this yet. So he has to have he's going to have to answer for this in some way, shape or form. Um, at the same time, the kids that were take that they were able to save have been taken to the the Taos Metahuman Meta Youth Center that was recently established. Uh, Victor reveals that he has been permanently cleansed of the father box influence because he no longer feels that presence and even Tara shares that she forgives Helga Jace for what happened to Brion and understands that everything that played out there had to happen and these are just the consequences and the actions that you just have to deal with right now um so everybody's thrilled everybody is quite happy with what happened um because it means that everybody's in a pretty good place and the only thing left to do is just continue on fighting the good fight to try to finally take down Granny Goodness as everybody wakes up the next morning. Well, things aren't all that kosher because it is revealed that Tara isn't exactly being honest because she has a phone call letting someone know that she's in. And the one person that she's letting know that she's inside Happy Harbor is Slade Wilson. Yes. So now we're left with the question, are we getting another adaptation of the Judas contract <laughs> in our Young Justice series? We'll talk about that soon. But first, here is a podcast from the Forgotten Entertainment family that you should be listening to the next time you're not listening to us. Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where each week we discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. All right, so now that we have talked about our two episodes for today, Andrew, which episode are you giving the most overwhelmed episode to? Also, 
I don't think we talked about our most Jack character. There were quite a few. Please feel free to share which one you would give it to. Uh, probably Simon's girlfriend. Uh, I think <laughs> she, she was incredibly jacked and deserved a lot of credit in this episode because she got things done. And speaking of getting things done, I think this one goes to True Heroes. Nightmare Monkeys, brilliant episode, great exploration of Beast Boy's trauma. And, you know, it's as good of an episode as it is. I did wonder why now mm. we're finding out about Beast Boy's story. It did seem like, you know, they had a lot of time to do this, <laughs> especially <laughs> when he was more active member of the team last season. Right. But that aside, uh, also the, the mystical monkey explanation kind of <laughs> threw me off a little bit there at the end. But even those things aside, True Heroes really is a fantastic episode. It brings in so many elements from previous episodes that it's been building up to. We get the satisfaction of finally getting Tara, finally having the brother and sister reunite. And this is a mission that goes pretty flawlessly for the team for once. They get all the kids out. No one is left behind. I mean, they left behind Holocaust, but that's probably more for PR reasons than anything. And we do get really good advancements of characters for Violet, for Victor. We really take huge steps forward in her learning to embrace her emotions. And Victor finally now free of father box, free of his father, you might say, uh, metaphorically. Now he can choose his own journey. Um yeah, it's like, also, just mention quickly, not an accident that Victor rejects his father and also is having struggles with a father box. So, you know, that whole metaphor is a really good thing that they ingrain in the season. But yeah, overall, with the action, the mission, the character growth, True Heroes is definitely my true pick for the most whelmed. What do you What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to side with you here on uh, True Heroes because I do love the fact that they were able to branch together stuff that we've seen throughout multiple episodes actually tying together. And like, even on this rewatch of mine, I was like, wait, I forgot that we actually saw this all play out versus scenes like in uh, Blue Beetle being cleansed back in season two or even in Triptych, where it's just like a hodgepodge of trying to get to one particular endpoint. Um, while I will say, I did really enjoy the Nightmare Monkey episode. I think that um, this kind of episode, though, to be honest, was probably very much like a filler episode. It does a great job in giving us the concept of death through Beast Boy's eyes. Uh, I think it was just going to end up being a plot point later on. But I think that somehow it did a great job doing it here by making it fun, making it entertaining. Um and but there was just too much weird things that happened. Not only the Monkey King, but like the uh, the multiple kisses that happened at the end. I just thought it was weird to see that all happen. Like, I get we've gone through this very emotional scene, but this stuff could have happened separately. I don't know. Like, it just yeah, it's a weird time to make out with your you're making out with essentially making out with your girlfriend in front of her brother who just came out of a coma. Right. Like that's essentially what's happening with his scene. girlfriend. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I do appreciate the fact that we got at least a chance now to um 
because I think this is the only episode that really does kind of give like provide our heroes with the fact that there is another villain and we actually got a name now. I think we've known about this in the background for so long that now it does seem like that detective work is kind of finally coming out, but really came to a head in True Heroes, which um add a like well named episode too because of the fact that it does feel that everybody stepped up in their own way with Violet accepting that even though her powers are tied to her emotions, she can use that to her advantage. Um, Fred Bug with two G's or just Forger um, being able to drive the bio ship and the bio ship being the one that chose that. And also the fact that like it does seem like um, a lot of them are stepping up while also our older heroes are kind of stepping out of the way to make way for these younger heroes to do their thing. So I think I really appreciate the fact that our most welcome episode here of True Heroes is creating, is tying up a lot of what we've seen in this season. I think this is actually where the season broke uh, for its first and second parts. This was like the mid-season finale. And it's a perfect ending, too, because it does end with, like, even though everything seems, like, okay, because we've got the main, we've succeeded in the main thing that Brion wanted, who's been a main character this entire season so far, it does show that there are more, there's more that he doesn't know, especially with Tara being teamed up with Deathstroke to try to take down the team from the inside. We're assuming from this message that she shared. Mm -hmm. And speaking of Tara, um, I think this would be a great time to talk about her, but we've already done that. We are not going to put you through the Judas contract <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Titans already did it. You, you already suffered enough. Yes, yes. <laughs> But we can, I felt like it might be appropriate to actually talk about one Titan in particular, and that is Beast Boy. <laughs> this is just really because it does feel like we haven't gotten the chance to see that much of Beast Boy. And we got this full episode here to talk it through. And after just looking up who he is, I just felt it might be appropriate. to. It, I think they did a great job in certain aspects of it. Um, so just to start it off, uh, Beast Boy is at least Garfield Logan is the first is the second person to go by the beast boy name um there was another person before we don't care about them because comic books erased them uh, <laughs> but we do have garfield logan aka beast boy uh he first premiered in issue number 99 of doom patrol back in november of 1965 and he was created by arnold drake and bob brown the story goes that Beast Boy, very much like Goldilocks and Three Bears, uh, Beast Boy invades the home of the team. And when he's found, a uh, fight ensues. Um, I guess not mu quite much like Goldilocks and the Three Bears, because I don't think Goldilocks would have had those hands. <laughs> um, but as after this fight and everybody calms down long enough, he does explain his origin. Now, bear with me here. Uh, we might get introduced to some crazy concepts of comic book though because it is wild uh so garfield was a young child living with his mother and father uh marie and mark logan his father was a scientist working on a way to find a way to revert evolution and uh, okay yeah. <laughs> he wanted to bring back extinct animals um so he worked with lizards to try to create to see if maybe he could find a way to create dinosaurs. As you do. Uh, I thought you would learn from Jurassic Park, but... I actually was thinking about this. I think that Jurassic Park might have stolen this idea. 
<laughs> because Jurassic Park came out. I don't remember when the book came out, but I think it came out after this story. <laughs> but um, of course, though, when you hear about a father who was a scientist in the DC universe, of course, that means that they're going to be a bad father. Um, not as bad as Silas, though. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that's that's a pretty high title. <laughs> yeah. So Mark ended up ignoring his family a lot. Um, he also kept his chemicals in a very precarious situation where we got a chance to see that his toddler son happened to always grab and drop them on the floor constantly. Um, but fortunately, with all the time that he spent in trying to perfect what he was doing, he was able to find an elixir that could reverse that could perform reverse evolution. Uh, he decides to bring this to Marie to show her that like he, their work, his work is done. They can go back to rejoin society because at this point they were in like a very secluded area of West Africa. And this is when Marie shares that their son has fallen ill. He's been ill for the last couple of days. And she just didn't want to tell him because she didn't want to bother him from his work. That's something you you can disrupt my work for. You can you can call me, leave a text, right. something, a little post it, something, the signal. Um, so Mark realizes that the disease is Sakusha. It's just a rare form of malaria. I'm not sure if this is like a fictional disease or, or if it's something that's real. But he states that no human has ever survived it. The only thing that has survived it are animals, specifically the West African green monkey. Uh, so he performs the experiment of giving Garfield the elixir that to turn him into the West African green monkey for 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, I can see it in your mind. I can see your face. Like, Choices were made. <laughs> this is really only for 24 hours so he could fight off the infection. Unfortunately, though, after Garfield does revert back to his human self, he does keep his green skin which his mother's upset about, but his father states, hey, it's okay for the boy to be a little different as long as he's alive. So Garfield continues to grow up. Um, they start realizing that he has a lot of animalistic like, like traits in his actions and mannerisms. And this all comes to a head when one day, when his mother was outside watching him climb a tree and reach for a banana that was hanging on the tree, where she almost gets attacked by a black mamba. Uh, afraid of his mother dying in front of him, Garfield is just trying to figure out what he can do, and through his just own instincts, turns into a mongoose, the main predator of a snake, and he kills the snake. Nice. Nice. I learned that in Pokemon. So Viper and uh, it's a goose. Zangoose. Yeah. <laughs> read, uh, read a Pokemon, kids. Yeah. <laughs> it will help you survive in the woods. <laughs> Obviously, his parents decided to keep his abilities a secret. Um, but unfortunately, as he got older, the locusts did have to escape from their home when a dangerous storm threatened to destroy it. And they were on a raft on a nearby river. This river led to some rapids and a waterfall. And this is when his father decides to tell him, I need you to transform into a bird and fly away. Leave us behind and fly away. Garfield doesn't want to do this. Um, but because he's such in a fearful state and his father is pushing him, he does turn into this bird and he watches as his mother and father plummet to their deaths. Oof. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm just going to put this out there. Mark Logan, why didn't you ask your son to turn into an aquatic animal of some sort to help guide y'all? I mean, it's a whale, dolphin, salmon swim upstream. Just putting that out there. <laughs> there were options. Worm. <laughs> Would you love him if he was a worm? <laughs> You'll never know. So at the end of this story, this is where the Doom Patrol decides to take him in. Uh, he officially joins the team in issue number 100. And he's raised by the Doom Patrol. Uh, Rita and Mento, just like in the show, become his adoptive parents until the Doom Patrol, without Mento at that point, ultimately die. Um, again, Mento becomes like a father figure for him still, but of course there's some tension. And some other father figures that come in and come out. But ultimately, when Garfield has a chance, he does take his talents over to the Teen Titans. He will also later join the cast of Space Trek 2022 as Lieutenant Torque. This <laughs> is actually what happened in the comic. This was not made up for Cannon. Young Justice. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Canon. <laughs> and it's at this point where actually Garfield adopts the name Changeling. So there has been some back and forth between what who he was because he decided to go with the name Changeling because his PR team at the time said it might be better for him. But uh, after the show was canceled due to a similarity to another spacefaring show that involved trekking, he decided to go back to the Beast Boy name. But I know we don't care about any of that. That is not why we're here. We want to know, does Beast Boy actually have a connection to the Monkey King? Yes, please answer this for me. So, simply put, maybe. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it is very confusing. And, of course, we have to go ahead and blame this on the 2011-2012 starting set of comics that was because of New 52. <laughs> yeah, disaggregate. Yep, it's... Yeah, I, I, I like. I think a lot... New 52 can, is to blame for a lot of things I hear. <laughs> um, so, this connection with the Monkey King isn't really as true as we think but he does have a connection with the red uh this is the extra dimensional spiritual force that connects all animals and forms a fauna yes the red is real the I red thought is titans real. made that up <laughs> no the titans had to include the red because that was the only way that they could afford the use of superheroes by the script <laughs> for the last 20 minutes of that episode <laughs> um so yes so the red is real and in the new 52 origin story of it, Garfield goes through a very similar origin story. Uh, the biggest difference, though, this time is that instead of transforming into a monkey by because of his father, he actually gets bit by a green monkey, which has this disease. So his father does treat him, and this turns into Garfield being able to survive, but now he can transform into any animal. Um, his parents die once again. He has... Uh, I'm sure if there's a connection to Doom Patrol in this one, but it does seem like at some point in his life, Garfield was take was um unfortunately kidnapped by a group of aliens who created an alien fight club with metahuman teens. Hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's where the fight club thing comes around. Okay, I see. I see yeah. it. Yeah. And they were saved by the Teen Titans. <laughs> <laughs> Appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the biggest thing about this is that there is a, the comic book writer for that, um, unfortunately I'm not going to say his name due to, 
uh, some stuff that's happened. Um, mm-hmm. This individual introduced Beast Boy for the very same origin story. Um, and once he got captured, it's revealed that he got experimented on. And that caused for his skin to turn from green to red. Mm. So in New 52, Beast Boy is red now. And this was all because the writer felt that if Beast Boy can turn into any animal, shouldn't he have a connection to the red? Therefore, why is he not red? This was hated by everybody. (laughs) (laughs) They couldn't call the red something else. Like, wouldn't that have been easier? Right. The the fauna force or something. I don't know. Anything. Um, but the red is as old as like the speed force or something. And, and I think it's more, it, it is definitely a more recent introduction compared to like the speed force or other big elements within DC storytelling. Um, but beast boy has never had really a connection to the red before 2011, 2012, when this comic book writer decided to add it to their story about introducing beast boy, who also wasn't on the teen Titans. He was on this other team called the ravagers. That consisted of Terra, um, Lightning, and Thunder, and a couple other people, very closely more related to like uh, Slade's daughter and the Ravagers being Slade's son. Uh, so they had more of that connection. But eventually, Beast Boy would then join. Fortunately, for now, though, Beast Boy has reverted back to his green skin. Um, his time as a red has been wiped away, but there is still some mentions of him having this connection to the red. Because it was a decent enough storyline that people were like, let's continue to add it in. And that's how we got Teen Titans or Titans on on Max introducing that Beast Boy can now travel the multiverse because he is connected to the Red. And long story short, maybe there's a connection to the Monkey King in there. But honestly, I'm not finding one. (laughs) Yeah, I... uh... I'm good with one confusing aspect. So let's let's stick with the red. The red that turned <laughs> in green. Yes. Uh, fortunately, though, something that does come a lot out of Beast Boy storytelling is this aspect of how he does deal with death. Now, we've always known Beast Boy as being like this like fun character, especially because Teen Titans, the TV series, as well as Teen Titans Go, have always kind of made him the comedic um, individual. And I think that personality has crept out to different scenarios and different mediums. However, the thing that does get put into a lot of Beast Boy storytelling is the trauma that he's experienced with the death of his parents, the death of his adoptive parents, his situation that happened with Terra. So all of that does tie into a lot of his character and is very as strong as a part of his personality as his comedic side. So I think that with Young Justice kind of working alongside that here they're trying to i guess in a way try to bridge those two because season two we did get a chance to see a lot of that comedic side that fun loving side but now i think with season three and outsiders we are seeing that beast boy has experienced his trauma so obviously there's going to be some kind of change to his personality to his understanding of the world and um hopefully we get a chance to see that mesh back together at some point as it's done in the comics Mm. Yeah, I think it's it's good when he's balanced. Like, of course, it's it's like one of those heroes like Flash. You know, you don't want to, mm. you like to a little darkness, but if he's here just sad and feeling bad for himself, it's not as fun for the rest of us. So exactly. cheer up. 
Yeah. <laughs> Get it together. <laughs> Don't worry. Be happy. <laughs> All right. So with that, that wraps up a little bit about who Beast Boy is. That also wraps up our episodes today. Um, we're going to continue on with our Young Justice coverage. We've now reached the midway point of Outsiders. So there's definitely some crazy more things to come as we continue to prepare the anti-life equation. Um, I had to sneak that in. I feel like we haven't said it in a while. <laughs> um, so now that we've done that, please make sure to check us out on our social medias, our Patreon account if, um, for more content. And in the meantime, take care of yourselves and always remember when you get a pair of VR goggles, it might be a good idea just to check them for needles real quick. And if you don't have access to an infinite well of lightning, make sure you got that folding chair on deck to take care of business. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs>